0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready, Vacation Bible School, friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay!
1: Please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 28, 16 through 22, and follow along with me as I read from the Word of God. Acts 28, 16. When we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. Three days later he called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, yet I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. When they had examined me, the Romans wanted to release me because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to the emperor, even though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is for the sake of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we would like to hear from you what you think, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. This is the word of the Lord.
0: So continuing on in the conclusion of our study in the book of Acts and our sermon series, we are finishing up the last few verses. um, So I'll be continuing where Elena left off. Acts 28, 23 through 31. Listen for the word of the Lord. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other, and as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen but never understand, and you will indeed look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they may not look with their eyes or listen with their ears or understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you, then, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. In the last two verses in the book of Acts, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have been traveling with Peter and with Paul, with the Holy Spirit and its work through the book of Acts. We started the first Sunday in June, and we are ending the last Sunday in August. That is three months we have been traveling. That is more than a sermon series. That is a season. It has been a great journey. We have met Amazing characters. We have seen God's Spirit working through those disciples and apostles. There are several overarching themes that start in the beginning and move all the way through. And if you remember from the very beginning, Jesus ascended in the first chapter after his resurrection and appearances, and then the Spirit descended in chapter 2 at Pentecost— The Spirit was given to those disciples. Many thousands were converted that day. And the Spirit moved them out into their new calls and their new ministries. And from there, we see Peter and John and James. And we see them teaching and healing. At one point, all 12 disciples get arrested and told not to proclaim, not to preach this crazy Jesus story that they keep hearing about because it's threatening their people, but they continue to persist with boldness. We see where things are starting to do, God is starting to do ministry in new ways. We see from stories like the Ethiopian eunuch where Philip went to Samaria, which the people in the place was off limits. The Ethiopian eunuch, because of what you had to do to become a eunuch, he was off limits to the temple and the faith community. The Spirit sent Philip to him to talk to him about scripture and be baptized. Paul bringing in and baptizing Cornelius the centurion. Military leader, Roman pagan, off limits prior. Peter's vision, of the sheep that descends with all the foods that they weren't allowed to eat that were considered unclean. At this point, God says, take and eat. Peter says, oh no, 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 we can't do that. He says, Peter, take, kill, and eat. So things are changing. God is working in new ways to appeal to more people who are outside of the tradition that was their Old Testament foundation, the the heart of Israel. Not saying that they are bad or wrong or no longer loved by God, because of course they are. That is the foundation, and Paul and Peter and others are starting to branch out in new ways as the Spirit leads them so that the church can grow and be taken to all of these places that Paul goes to. We meet characters like Tabitha, who was brought back to life. And, and Scripture says she was a disciple. She was a disciple. We met Lydia, who we think had her own small business dealing in purple dye and cloth, who welcomed Peter and his companions in Philippi, where there was yet no synagogue. Amazing characters, amazing stories of faith, transformation, and growth all the way through. And then Paul and his conversion from Saul to be a persecutor to chief proclaimer. And then we followed him on his three missionary journeys and each step along the way as he traveled, as he taught. Each step he started where? At the synagogue, the local synagogues were all over the Roman Empire from displaced Jews for centuries that have been there, establishing their own lives and communities and synagogues. So Paul would start there, since he is a Jew, and then convert some, not all, on his way to build these young churches. Every step of the way, Paul. Peter, the apostles were challenged, they knew every place they went there would be friction, especially Paul, because Paul is threatening, as Jesus did, the religious establishment of the day as he is converting people from the synagogues. The synagogue leadership wouldn't like that. Makes perfect sense. So Paul is arrested again and again and again. He is beaten again and again and again. Stoned almost to death, false trials and imprisonment, but he persisted with boldness, rooted in the risen Christ. He continued on through his second and third missionary journey with different people visiting different places and reinforcing some of the places that he had been to help struggling young churches figure out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to practice being a community of faith. Until a few weeks ago, we saw him and we met Eutychus, the poor tired youth who, because Paul was droning on and on and on and on and on, he fell asleep in the third floor window and fell out to his death, literally bored to death. Paul goes down, revives him, brings him back to life and said, he is only mostly dead. Then, Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem. He was there trying to get there for Pentecost. And there, he is arrested, his life threatened, and he pulls his Roman citizenship card and says, I appeal to the emperor. Which, in an illegal process, you could do only if you were a Roman citizen. So begins the journey from Jerusalem to Rome, where we will leave Paul for the last time. And on this way, this is where we last week were shipwrecked for 14 days. Paul knew and told them the ship would be lost, the cargo lost, but the, no one would lose their life. And so they made their way on to the island of Malta where the natives, or as the Greek says, the barbarians welcomed them warmly started a fire for them, gave them food. In the process of that fire, Paul's throwing some wood in, and the viper comes out and attaches to his hand. But he just brushes it off into the fire. And those natives think, oh, well, he's going to die. He made it from the shipwreck, but he must have murdered someone, and this is God's vengeance. So they wait and watch for him to Swell and die after the snake bite, the viper bite. And he doesn't. He's fine. So then he went from being a murderer that God should destroy to then being a God. And as the disciples do all the way through the book of Acts, they say, no, it's not about me. I'm not a God. It's God's power that has filled me and can fill you as well. Boldness and persistence. So from there, they meet Publius on the island of Malta. They said he's the man of the island. So I said at 845, this may have been where Publix grocery store franchise started on the island of Malta with Publius. So then they sent Paul on with whatever he wanted. He cured everyone on the island of Malta who had disease or was ill, and then on the way to Rome. And so now... We are awaiting the trial where he will meet with Caesar, uh, with the emperor, to appeal and give a defense of, in essence, his ministry, why he keeps proclaiming this Jesus Christ raised and risen. So he's under house arrest for two years. For two years, he's under house arrest. And as we said last week, the title of last week's sermon was Indiana Paul in the Last Crusade. Uh, that's the third in the Indiana Jones uh, franchise, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Great casting with Harrison Ford, as we know, as Indiana Jones. But here they bring in Sean Connery as Harrison Ford's father, who is kind of a timid academician. He's a, a professor, very very different than... Uh, Indiana Jones, who's all these adventures, and they joined together. How fun would that be if they made a movie with Harrison Ford as Paul and Sean Connery as Paul's father? Might go something like this. Junior, Dad, I like Paul. Didn't name you Paul, I named you Saul. Saul Henry Junior. Dad, I saw him, I saw him. You saw the savior. I did. He told me to stop persecuting Christians and start proclaiming that he has been raised. Well, what what did you do? Dad, I've been on three missionary journeys all along the way and I'm on the way to Rome to see the emperor. Well done boy. Where did your journeys begin? Antioch, Dad. Antioch, 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 on the Mediterranean coast, on the ancient Roman trading route. Well done, boy. That would be fun, wouldn't it? I'll wait for Spielberg to get to that one. So after this high adventure, after through the shipwreck, through Malta, Paul is in Rome, and we get to our last couple of verses. And it says he stayed there for two whole years. He uses the word whole. Two whole years. So that's a big deal. He's under house arrest, which means he can't leave his home, but others can come to him. Community leaders can come to him. People with questions, those who just want to listen, can come to his house. And it said he did these three things. He welcomed all... He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught about Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the way the book of Acts ends. Welcoming all, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about Jesus Christ with all boldness. And really, these last two verses, 30 and 31, can summarize all of the book of Acts. Because from Jesus and the Pentecostal Holy Spirit descending forward, they do something new. They do things in a new way. They welcome all. Their jobs, their callings are all to proclaim the kingdom of God and to teach about the Lord and risen Jesus with all boldness. And that last phrase, without hindrance, just means that they allowed him to teach for those who came to his house. They did not restrict others from coming in to hear what he would have to say. And it's interesting because we don't, that's where Luke, our author, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the second volume, we thank the book of Acts, that's where we leave it. We never see Paul meet with the emperor. We never see the result of his trial. Tradition and out extra-biblical traditions, uh, mostly Eusebius, who was a Christian uh, historian, wrote that in, the six, in 64 AD, there was the big Roman fire under Nero, right? So he fiddled while Rome burned. We don't know if he fiddled, but Rome did burn. And Nero, needing scapegoats, blamed the Christians for the fire. And we think Paul got caught up in that mess. He was martyred. If the fire was in 64, we think 66 to 67, he was most likely martyred by Nero, who again opened up this whole new chapter of persecution on the Christians. And that's the last we know of Paul. And in this process, All of his letters are mostly written at this point. He will write some in these two years, but the epistles that we rely on so heavily have been generated and are in the process. But it just kind of ends abruptly, as if Luke would say, well, it's not that important what happens to Paul, just that he has been faithful in his ministry his call to welcome all, proclaim the kingdom of God, teach Jesus Christ with all boldness, and two overarching words, persistence and boldness. Imagine all those disciples who had to go to places where people didn't know or welcome them to share with them the amazing things that they have seen, experienced, and want to share which sounds great, but the downside is that's a threat to everyone that they're sharing information with. And because it's working, in other words, people are being baptized and coming to this new faith, they are being threatened everywhere by leadership, just like Jesus, that is afraid that they are taking their people, that they're doing a disservice to faith, and they must be stopped. Paul, all along the way, Almost killed, stoned, beaten with rods, imprisoned, persecuted, false trials, on and on and on. And he persisted with boldness. Nothing would stop those disciples. Nothing would stop Paul. Why? Because they saw what they saw. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had little recourse but to go and share it. Okay, preacher, thanks for the Bible lesson. What do you want me to do about it? I want you to do this. Think about what it would be like to have a modern version of Paul. Someone who started in one place through their time with Christ, was changed, converted, transformed, whatever word you want to use, and came out another way. Does that still happen today, 2019? Aren't we too advanced for simple things like conversions, transformation? Well, I want to share a story with you that I stumbled on this week. Some of you may have heard it. Uh, It was such a good story. I, I, I went to research it and check it and wound up hearing a podcast of the rabbi who's involved with this telling the story from his perspective. So here it is. And I want you to think about how many times persistence and boldness is used in this story by the people involved. So Rabbi Weiser is a a rabbi in New York City, takes his wife Julie and three out of his five children and moves to Lincoln, Nebraska. And they are unloading. They just bought a house when the phone rings, he picks up the phone, and he says, you're going to be sorry you ever moved in, Jew boy. So he calls the police. He says, I just got a threatening phone call, and they said, we think we know who that is. But all the same, have your children go home in two school different ways so they can't be attacked or or." obscene very easily, which is not very comforting advice. So not too long later, they get a box filled with white supremacy, hatred, resources, documents, flyers, pictures. As the rabbi tells the story, he said the most, one of the most offensive to him was a picture of Dr. Martin Luther King with a gun sight on his forehead and said, our dream was realized. There was a business card with the KKK on it, and it said, we are watching you, scum, printed. So again, he goes to the police, who continue to say, there's not much we can do, but we know who that is. We're pretty sure that that's Larry Trapp, T-R-A-P-P. He's the grand dragon of Nebraska, Ku Klux Klan, lives here in Lincoln. So the rabbi says, maybe I'll try to reach out to him. This was in 1991. Some of you may have heard this again before. This is before cell phones, so he has a friend at the phone company look up Larry Trapp and get his phone number. So he calls him, and he gets the message answering machine filled with all kind of vile, awful Material talking about how awful Asians are and they're ruining America, that they're no better than blacks and Jews. And then says, If you want to leave information about joining our chapter, please leave information, I'll get back to you. And so the rabbi says, I'm going to start leaving what, what he started to refer to as love notes on his answering machine. So he gave us three examples. The first one, he said, Larry, there's a lot of love out there, and you're missing it. Don't you want to be loved? Hangs up the phone. Then calls him again the next time. Um, Larry, you know, you're going to have to pay for this. I think you claim to be a Christian. God is not in for what you're doing. Realize that there's a better way. Hangs up the phone. The third one says, why do you look up to Nazis? They would have come after you first." And as it turns out, Larry Trapp, from an early age, had early childhood diabetes and was a double amputee, both of his legs, and lived in a wheelchair. So the rabbi said, they would have come for you first, the physically impaired, those with any imperfections or deviances from the master race. Why do you look up to them? Why do you share their ideology? Hangs the phone up. So the rabbi talks that this just became a part of his weekly calendar. Every Thursday at 3, because at 3.30 he was teaching bar mitzvah lessons, at 3 he would call and leave a message for Larry on his machine. Finally, one Thursday, he picks up the phone and Larry Trapp picks up the phone and says, I know who this is. Stop calling me. You are harassing me. He says, Rabbi says, I'm sorry. I don't mean to harass you. I, I just want to talk to you. What do you want to talk about? said, well, I I know you're physically challenged. Um, Do you need help getting to the grocery store? And there was silence. If he didn't know how to process what he just said. And after a long, awkward silence, he came back on and said, I have that taken care of. Now leave me alone. This is my business number. Hung up. Well, several months later, the rabbi continuing every Thursday at 3 to leave some sort of message on his answering machine. It's a Saturday night, and the rabbi's phone rings. Rabbi says, hello. The voice says, is this the rabbi? Rabbi said, is this Larry Trapp? He said, yes, it is. Rabbi said, what can I do for you? He said, I want to stop what I'm doing, and I don't know how. I want to stop what I'm doing, and I don't know how. And the rabbi, after he recovers, thinks, well, I know where you live. How about I come over there tonight, and we'll talk about it. And so they agree, hangs up the phone, and the rabbi's son is right there. He said, Dad, what are you doing? You can't go over to his house. It's a, it's, it'll be an ambush. He said, when Nazis have you for dinner, they mean that literally. And they laughed, haha. Uh-huh. But the rabbi, the father, said, No, I I'll pick up some chicken or something when I need to break bread with this guy. And the rabbi calls a friend of his who says pretty much the same thing his son did. You're crazy. This is an ambush. He's gonna kill you. He said, No, I'm I'm gonna go. But if I'm not, if you don't hear from me by midnight, send the police. So he and his wife, Julie, go together. They knock on the door, Larry Trapp's house, opens the door, and on his wheelchair right two feet in front of them, on his lap is a MAC-10 automatic weapon. Hanging on an automatic rifle on the corner of the wheelchair is a shotgun, and then he has a pistol in his lap also. And the rabbi thought, We're dead. Where we stand? He's just going to take us out. But instead of that, he reaches out with an open hand. And when the rabbi grabs it, he breaks down in tears and says, I'm so sorry. I'm done with this lifestyle. I need your help to get out. So they go in. He takes off two of his rings that had swastikas on them. Get rid of these. They've only been trouble in my life help me get rid of all of this literature all of this information i'm done hurting people so they sit down and as it they start to actually have a conversation larry shares his troubled childhood how at 2 or 3 years old he would always hide from his dad for fear of being beaten And the only way he knew how to relate to his dad is to adopt his dad's broken, destructive, and dark value system of white supremacy. So for him, it was this family connection, and that's all he knew. He had no other family, he was this grand dragon. So after that, they continued to be in touch, maintain contact, and every once in a while, wouldn't you know it, he comes to the synagogue. He comes more and more to the synagogue and eventually says to the rabbi, I think I want to be converted to Judaism. Really, says the rabbi. Interesting. You know, you're a Catholic. You grew up Catholic. don't well, There's good Catholic churches around here. Rabbi said, I had Christians in my ministry group I tried to pawn him off on. Those were his words. But No. Larry Trapp said, the miracle occurred through Judaism in my life, and that's where I want to stay. So he went through the process, went through the training, had a conversion service, and became Jewish. Now, his health now takes a turn for the worst. His kidneys are starting to fail. He has no family or friends. And Julie, the rabbi's wife, says, you know what? He's got nobody to take care of him. We need to bring him into our house and care for him. Pardon me? We need to bring him into our house and care for him. So one of the empty rooms that was formerly one of their daughters, they moved in Larry Trapp to their house. Julie quit her job to take care of him. And for nine months... They lived in that situation. And in that nine months, Larry just didn't cease persecuting and hating others. He called everybody that he could on the phone to apologize for ways that he hurt them. He spoke to several high schools and other schools against what he had been involved with, against supremacy and racism and division. And then he died. And at the temple service, it was filled with those that he formerly persecuted that now mourned the loss of him. The rabbi said those nine months were very much like the conception of a child and a fully developed child embracing new life upon birth. That in those nine months, he found a new life of love and redemption that he had never known that's a great story. And what better in a Sunday where we wrap up this part of our conversation about Paul. Paul and Larry Trapp were very much similar. They both persecuted groups that were different than them, thought and believed different than them, and for some reason feared and saw as threats. They both had conversion moments, Paul with Christ Larry Trapp through the rabbi and the use of his faith and generosity and persistence and boldness that brought him through his conversion. And then they both became shining examples of the faith in the God that they serve. So I end you with this. All of us are being called to be Paul outside of these walls. All of us have a missionary journey Maybe it's not as extensive as Paul, but every day you have a missionary journey. It may start in your home. You may travel to work. You may travel to your organizations, your friendship groups, your retail, shopping, whatever. The places you go every day is your missionary journey. And we as Christians are being called to be bold and persistent in the way that we show that Christ has been raised and people are welcomed, that we can proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about Christ through our compassion, through our persistence, through our word of mouth, through our deeds, through the way that we live our lives. We think Paul was so different than we are, and Paul wasn't. And so today we pray that the Spirit would descend upon us as it did on Paul. That we would be aware and be sent out to our missionary journey with persistence and boldness. Hallelujah. Amen.